0: This week on a special one year anniversary of the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys hand out the inaugural Dilly Awards. Question and Answer covers the best Madden cover, who should be on the new NCAA cover, and why isn't college baseball bigger than it is. And this week in sports covers the NBA Finals, giving you a synops- synopsis, predictions, and picks for game one. To the Dylan and Dylan Show, a special edition of the Dylan and Dylan Show. Not only has it been two weeks since we have graced your ears, But it is also the special one-year edition of the podcast. It has been one year since the rebrand of the TV, sports, radio show into the first editions of the D&D show last year in 2021. It's been a long ride, and we are going to celebrate it with our own little way here shortly. DJ Dylan Jesperson here, back in Michigan, back where it all started, joined, as always, by my main man, D.H. Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today?
1: Doing fantastic. I'm excited to be in all of your ears again this week after a two-week hiatus. I guess we, it wasn't a two-week hiatus. Uh, after being gone for a little while, glad to be back in your ears. Um, I, I just—I was telling Dylan before we started recording, I don't know why Zion wants to leave New Orleans. Because I was there last weekend, and that's the most magical city in the world. I love that place. I don't know why Anthony Davis wanted to leave New Orleans. Like, I'm very much like I'm in the Drew Brees boat now, where I'm like, okay, New Orleans is the best. I understand why Drew Brees went to war for that city so much, because that, that place is awesome. The Pelicans just must be really messing up because that New Orleans is sick. Um, but, yeah, excited to be back in New Year's, like Dylan said. One year strong. That's crazy. Uh, I'm excited to celebrate like how we are in just a little bit. Um, and kind of looking back at the last year, if you look at, like, both of our teams, it seems like everything's trending up for us, which is a lot of fun. And the future of this show and our teams, there's a lot of exciting things that are going to happen, which is a lot of fun. But, yeah, excited to be here. Uh, How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Uh, I started another role in Michigan that has brought me back to my home state. Uh, You can find out on Twitter more about my newest gig. But here I am. I'm back to host a huge edition of this best sports podcast out there. Uh, So we're going to get right into it. First up, it's award time. After a year of podcasting, we have been covering sports all over the map from every different league imaginable. And with our year anniversary, Anniversary, we thought it was time to honor the best of the best from our look back on the year. Uh, the Dilly Awards, the inaugural Dilly Awards, will be held today. These are awards made completely by us, and all the winners are unanimous winners, receiving one total vote from each of us. Uh, the inaugural Dilly Awards, there'll be five each. Dylan and I will go back and forth uh, giving our. Our awards that we have decided on uh, uh, throughout these last couple of weeks while we've been planning the show. So, Dylan, without further ado, ado, you have the honor of
1: awarding the first ever Dilly. It's all you. Oh, the first ever Dilly. This is a lot of pressure. Um, I'm going to have to go with an award that I gave out last summer. And um, so I guess this is the second version of this award, but it's the first official one as a part of the dillies. And I'm talking about the silly goose of the year. If you go back to last summer, I crowned Giannis Antetokounmpo, the silly goose of the year, the millennia, however you want to say it after the NBA finals. And I I had to give out the silly goose of the year again. And I'm not going with Giannis. Giannis was one of the people that was the finalist, but I am not giving it to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm going with Shohei Otani. Uh, the amount of times we talked about Shohei on this show it's probably off the off the boards it's up there with probably ja and michigan football and just all the other things that are recurring topics on the show shohei blew both of our minds last summer and continues to do it with the things he's able to do on the diamond he's just he's remarkable he's like something we've never seen before in the world of baseball in the world of sports being a star both pitching and hitting and he's just a silly goose, man. The things he's able to do, knock it out of the park, strike people out. I love watching Shohei Otani play baseball. And for all those reasons, he is my silly goose of the year. I'll throw it to you for your first award.
0: Yeah, that was an award that anyone should have been expecting. Maybe not the winner, but at least the category. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of different categories. Uh, but first up, I'm going with a basic one for, for me. The first one I thought of when I had the uh, – the, when we plan this Dilly Awards, I'm awarding my team of the year award and not necessarily the greatest team, the most talented team or the most accomplished team. But they are the D&D team of the year by all the metrics we use. And that's the North Carolina Tar Heels men's basketball team. Uh, it, I went back. It was March 3rd when I said that I felt the Tar Heels were underrated and disrespected heading into that regular season finale against Duke. And I decided to continue to disrespect them and pick against them. Uh, And they made me pay, giving Coach K the business in his final home game uh, and started a run where they won seven games in March and April, only losing to that really hot Virginia tech team in the ACC tournament. And then the eventual national champions in Kansas in the national championship game. Uh, They haven't stopped there. Uh, They've seemingly have one of the most loaded rosters coming into 2023 now. And most important that, Most importantly, that run made North Carolina our team when they beat Baylor in the tournament and both of us had it down, uh, beating Duke not once, but twice. uh, All of that felt like we had a special connection to it, even if it was from our outside role. So uh, however long this show ends up going, it will always be a Tar Heel friendly podcast. Uh, And so they are our first ever team of the year. Uh, And I'll throw it to Dylan for his next award.
1: I love that, and I love my North Carolina Tar Heels so, so much. Uh, my next award is a very special award for me. It's the Murray State Racer of the Year. And this is an award I had to do because as, as long as we've done this show, I've always had to give special shout-outs to Murray State because I love Murray State so much. I love Murray, Kentucky, and the school, the, my racers. I love them so much. And this is a tough one because Murray State's had a really special year. They've won so many championships. They've done so much. And I decided – I wanted to give a shot, uh, a spotlight to a racer that doesn't really get it. He doesn't get enough uh, shine as he should. I'm going with Rod Thomas, point guard on the basketball team. Walk on. And if you're not a Murray State faithful, you might not know Rod Thomas. But if you are, you know Rod Thomas. Because when it's Rod Thomas time, it means Murray State's winning the game, and they're winning by a lot. Rod Thomas checks in, checking against Belmont at home. It was the most electric moment I've been a part of, maybe since John Morant was in Murray, Kentucky. Like, I don't know if Ja got that big of ovations by the Murray State faithful. Rod Thomas checked in, the crowd went wild. I mean, just imagine, like, The Rock walking into an arena when he was a wrestler and the whole place went crazy. That's what it's like when Rod Thomas hits the court at the CFSB Center. He checks in, he splashes a three. That place, you would think LeBron James or Michael Jordan are on the floor, or Ja Morant. I mean, the place just goes crazy. Rod Thomas is the man. A couple weeks ago, Ed Marlow, who's covered Murray State for a long time, tweeted out, what should Murray State do with their final uh, scholarship that they had available? Like, I think it was like 6,000 votes were for Rod Thomas to receive the scholarship. He didn't get it. But the love is there from the Murray State faithful. It's I, I'm just spreading the love even more as he receives my first ever Murray State Racer of the year to Rod Thomas. I'm excited for many, many more memories of Rod Thomas hitting threes while the racers are up by a billion next season. And the season after that, I'll throw it to you for your next award.
0: Another award that you probably knew the category was coming. You Probably didn't know who was going to win it, but, uh, Congrats to Rod Thomas for the first ever racer Dilly of the year or racer of the year Dilly award. Uh, I'm sure there will be more to come, but being the inaugural winner is, is going to be a big deal in the future. Uh, next up, for my batch of awards, I'm giving out the Grown Man of the Year award. This is an athlete who epitomized the phrase "men among boys," and that man was Hassan Haskins from the University of Michigan. Uh, H- Haskins was always looked at differently because he started out at Michigan as a linebacker, uh, and people get that gave people the wrong impression of him. They thought he was just someone that was going to, you know, bruise, run through guys, uh, and not. He's not much of a running back. He's a converted linebacker into a running back. And I was in that camp, but uh, his junior season, this 2021 season proves how much more he was than that. He was, Blake Corum was ready to pass him on the depth chart, basically had passed him on the depth chart, but then Corum gets hurt. Uh, and then we basically have to turn to Hassan to shoulder the entire load of our offense. And if you watch Michigan down the stretch, it was turn around, give the ball to Hassan and let him do what he had to do. In the last four games, he averaged 26 and a half carries per game. Uh, He shouldered almost like our entire load, and in those games had 142.75 yards per game uh, and and eight total touchdowns in those last four games, including five in the biggest game of the season, a 42-27 stomping of Ohio State that will hopefully flip the script in that rivalry, and uh, and we can only hope, but – For what he gave to me in that game, he will always be remembered as one of the best, you know, Michigan players in my lifetime. Uh, And he is going to be forever remembered as the inaugural grown man of the year in the Adelia Awards. Uh, So I'll throw it to you for your next award.
1: I absolutely love that because Hassan Haskins is a Tennessee Titan. I love that so much. Um, I'm also going to the college football world for my next pick. I'm going with the bag of the year for the NIL deal of the year. And I'm going with former Pittsburgh wide receiver and Balitnikov winner, Jordan Addison, because he got that bag. We don't know what kind of bag he got, but it was a big one. Because he's now going to USC. He's going to play wide receiver for Lincoln Riley, get balls thrown to him from Caleb Williams. Uh, Jordan Addison is like the best receiver in college football. The transfer going from Pittsburgh to USC, it's something like we really haven't seen before. It's the first really – it's the first example of really like free agency in college football that a lot of people are pointing to, where they're like, the NIL, uh, it's broken. I disagree. I think this is awesome, where USC just gets to kind of put their muscle on the table and be like, all right, we want this guy. And Jordan Addison was like, you know what? I kind of want to live in L.A. I want Gail Blooms to throw balls to me, and he's. I'm sure we'll find out in the weeks to come whatever NIL deals he got. He's going to get a lot of money in Los Angeles, California this fall, and then he'll go to the NFL and make a lot of money because Jordan Addison is the man. He is really, really good at football, and he's the inaugural Bag of the Year award or Dilly award winner for the NIL deal of the year. Uh, That's a mouthful, but Jordan Addison got it, so congrats.
0: Congrats to Jordan Addison. I love that pick. Uh, I love that as absolutely. We've talked about the NIL stuff for uh, more than a few times on this show. Uh, And we know everyone uh, that listens to us knows how pro NIL we are. So uh, happy for Jordan Addison, happy for college athletes around the country. Next up, uh, my only real negative award, the losers of the year. That goes to the Detroit professional sports teams. And Dylan sent me a graphic today that crystallizes this, the horrific nature of these four franchises completely. Of the 24 teams that have more than one professional sports team, the teams of Michigan, the Lions, the Pistons, the Red Wings, and the Tigers have combined for the lowest win percentage in, the last, in their last full seasons. And it's by a lot. I mean, they have uh, like a winning percentage of like 30%. The next lowest is like 38%. It's not even close. Uh, These teams have really sucked for a while, and they continue continue to show it every time they take the field or the court or the ice, every time they all suck. I mean, the Red Wings, uh, despite what my backdrop might say about me in the regular, I'm not the biggest Red Wings fan, uh, and they did – the most reasonably well at eight games under 500. The Pistons tanked again this year after getting the first overall pick last year, only to watch their best odds in the draft lottery turn into the fifth overall pick. Uh and the Lions, uh well, we did more Lions things this year, but we like it was almost worse because we turned into like the the little brothers of the league where everyone was rooting for us to win because we just they just wanted to see the Lions do well. It's you've reached a new level of 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 terrible at that point. And and that's saying something coming from Alliance fans and don't get me started on the tigers. I was very high on the tigers coming into this season. I said, they might have a chance to win the AL central. They might have a chance to compete with the twins and the white Sox this year. And they stink. They are terrible. I know they have a bunch of injuries and I know uh, no one's really could have predicted the amount of injuries to key players that they've had, but uh, that doesn't excuse Javi Baez hitting under 200 and Akil Badu playing in triple-A. Akil Badu's is not even on the roster anymore. I, and he's not – I don't think he's coming back anytime soon, to be honest. Uh, uh, Torkelson has not lived up to anyone's expectations. He's kind of start, starting to find it, but you never know with a kid that young. And it's just uh, – it, it's uh, the epitome of what Detroit sports have been. And this why – they absolutely deserve the first ever losers of the year award, and I don't. Hope, I hope I never have to give this award out again, uh, because I'm really only going to give it to my teams. I'm not going to be mean to another teams, another fans, uh, you know, team of you know. But they, the Detroit teams, really deserve it because I, I've watched some bad sports in Detroit history, and I this might be the lowest that they've been at uh, in a long time, and that's saying a lot coming from the Detroit fans so first ever loses of the year the Detroit professional sports uh, franchises I'll throw it to you for your next award
1: I like that a lot and I had no idea it was coming but I did send that uh, graphic with like each day like if they have more than two professional sports teams their winning percentage was like, oh this is pretty neat like Tennessee was like the second highest right behind Wisconsin I was like oh that's neat and Michigan, Detroit, the Detroit teams were at the very bottom. I was like, that's kind of the, the, uh, the flip of both sides of the show. And I thought it was neat. Did not know that was coming though. <laughs> I like it though. Uh, who knows? Ryan Tannehill might get that award next year for me. Um, my next award. I thought the person who was going to win this award had it wrapped up. He did not. And it changed last night. Uh, this is the make me feel like a kid again award. And I thought this was going to go to Tom Brady. I thought this was Tom Brady's award, and it's not. Albert Pujols, this award is going to Albert Pujols because he has made me feel like a kid again. And just this run with the Cardinals that he's been on this season as we're sitting here in June now, the things he's been able to do that no one thought he was going to do, everyone thought he was going to kind of suck and just kind of sit on the bench and be a coach, and he's not. He's playing, and he's providing walk-off hits in big games against the San Diego Padres, like no one was really thought this was going to be the case. And watching Albert go up to the plate and make plays, it's just it makes me feel like a kid again, and it's awesome because I haven't watched Albert Pujols play in a Cardinals uniform since 2011, and a lot has changed since then. It's been 11 years, so it's really really neat. And um, just watching him kill it at the old age that he's at now is just really really cool. And it's just a unique feeling. Like, even when I was at Bush Stadium, I was at Great American Ballpark. When they call, now batting, number five, Albert Pujols. I'm like, whoa, it's Pujols. And, like, you jump up. like You get, like, butterflies. It's so, so neat. So, yeah, that made me feel like a kid again. And we're the very first one, Albert Pujols. And that it was a no-brainer. Uh, well, it was a no-brainer for Tom Brady. But, yeah, last night watching him hit that walk-off, the sack fly, I was like, yeah. I feel like a kid I was very giddy after that so yeah Albert Poulos gets this award I'll throw it to you for your next one
0: love that award I I I knew Dylan's categories for awards but I didn't know where he was going with all these awards and where really the you know what the awards meant to them so so I I love that category I love the award pick I love the the winner I love it all so great great pick Uh, And uh, for my next one, I wanted to give a shout out to some of the fabulous guests we've had on our show in the first year of our podcast Uh, from TV sports colleagues like John McCooch, Colby Marcio, Nick Rose and all the other special guests like Seth Horowitz, Preston Rice, Trey Hornbuckle. Uh, We have thoroughly enjoyed each and every conversation we have had, but no offense to any of those people. One guest stood out and deserves the dilly of for d and d guest of the year, and that is professional golfer Garrett may. I, I think I can think speak for both Dylan and I when I say we had the most fun recording with Garrett because you know neither of us really had a connection with Garrett or his sport or. or the league that he's in before we sat down with him so it really felt like we were learning with the with the listeners and at the same time the interview felt so natural it felt like an easy conversation between longtime friends which made it so much fun and uh uh i know we're going to reach out to garrett soon because uh uh, we've been watching what he's doing he's been doing a lot of awesome things we and we had a ton of fun with him the first time uh but congrats to garrett Winner of the first ever Guest of the Year award. Uh, I'll throw it to Dylan for, I think, his last award.
1: It is my last award, but I love that. Yeah, Garrett, it was so much fun talking to Garrett because like you said, neither one of us are golf guys. And I like going into it, I was like, what, what am I going to talk about? And it, it was just a conversation. It was a lot of fun to have. And it was a ton of fun to talk to Garrett. And now like following his career, it's it's been a really fun to see how things have played out since he's been on the show, following him on Instagram and Twitter and just following his journey on social media. But yeah, uh, now my last award, I'm giving out, the John Morant Award for the most electric play of the year. And I am going with, of course, it's a John Morant play. Surprise, surprise. I'm going with his chase down block against the Los Angeles Lakers. And I don't know the exact date. I should have looked that up. But as you know from listening to this show, I don't like looking up the dates, the specifics, because with a play like this, you know what I'm talking about. He chased down – and I don't even know which Laker it was because the Lakers put out a generic 2K team this year when it wasn't LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, It was the chase down block where he came out of nowhere. He used this insane vertical to just get up there and catch the ball on the backboard. And it's just – it's insane that he was able to do it. It just doesn't make sense. It broke the internet. Um, The the play right up there with it was – his dunk against the Spurs over Jakob pertle which literally today won dunk of the year from the NBA. So shout out to Jaw, that's great. But I think his chase down block was even better because you expect the dunks from Jaw. The chase down block, like, I, like, we've talked about it before. A chase down block might be, like, the best play of, like, all of sports because it's just so uh, jaw-dropping. Haha, <laughs> get Ja, man. Um It's just something else. I I love it. And it's a great play. It's going to be one of those plays that's going to be on his career highlights 20 years from now when he's got a 50 minute highlight reel. But yeah, the John Moran award for the best highlight of the year, Josh chased down block against the Los Angeles Lakers. And that is my last award. I'll throw it to you for your last.
0: Yeah, we've talked about JAW so many times. So I knew there was a plethora of things for you to pick from. So uh just happy that you got a good jaw moment to, to give an award out there for. But you know, obviously love to pick uh the most jaw friendly podcast out there uh is a year old now. So uh last but not least last but not least, I wanted to single out one moment of the first year of the podcast that I enjoyed uh the most. It may be insignificant to listeners, but my absolute favorite moment of this past year was watching dylan holtz in real time realize that the washington state logo spelled out wsu in the shape of a cougar uh it in audio it probably sounded l- like inconsequential but when we were recording i was literally describing the process of realizing there's a w in the cougar and then the s and the u and never being able to see it that same way again and in real time Dylan Holt is doing that on my screen. He's going onto his phone he's looking up the Washington State logo and realizing it in real time uh, and uh, we you can find clips of it all over social media, but that moment needs to live alone as the dilly award winner uh, and that's going to be my final award. Uh, so we both get the final dilly uh, if you can't win an award, just give one to yourself. that's my uh, philosophy. Uh, Awesome stuff. Congrats to all the winners of the Dilly Awards. Uh, and we will give you, uh, if you contact us, we'll, we'll try to get you a trophy or some type of award uh, to put on your mantle.
1: So, are we now an award winning podcast? Well, that is
0: exactly right. We are an award winning podcast. We can put, it- we just took home a Dilly. We just took home a Dilly. Those are the most coveted awards in podcasting uh, out there right now. So, uh, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Uh, and hopefully uh, can turn it into a yearly thing uh, as we move forward uh, with the podcast. Next up is the question and answer segment where we lay out our biggest questions and let each other take a swing at answering them. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, We learned today, Wednesday, that John Madden will be on the cover of this year's edition of men the first time the game's namesake will be on the cover of the game since 2000. Uh, Regardless of your relationship with the current Madden series, everyone has some sort of history with the Madden franchise. Uh, So my Question is two parts a what is your favorite madden game and cover uh and why and b with ncaa returning and us being more ncaa college football fans uh hopefully returning next year who do you think should grace the franchise's
1: comeback cover and i'll throw it to dylan for his answers so, A, I have two answers. My favorite cover is Madden 12 with Peyton Hillis on the cover because I think it's just so wacky. Like, you throw all the covers, like, into, like, a little collage. And you're like, oh, yeah, these are, like, the best players of the last two decades. And then it's like, oh, who's that Browns running back? It's like, oh, yeah, it's Peyton Hillis. Like, of course, like, we all know who it is because he was really good that one year. But, like, I feel like as, like, younger kids start to, like, look back at old man's. They're just gonna be like, who is that guy on the Browns? Number 40, who's that linebacker? Like, who is that guy? And it's just gonna, it's gonna stick out more and more as the years go on. And I just love that. I think it's so unique. Uh, my favorite Madden, I don't know. I love them all so much. Like, I loved like Madden like 19, and a lot of people are like, it sucks. It's terrible. I'm like, I-, I liked it. I don't know. I was like, I was in college, like when I wasn't like in class, I was, like, playing franchise mode, making Josh Rosen the best quarterback ever. Um, I I said Madden 10, because I was, like, that feels like the right spot. 2009, I was playing a lot of Madden. I was, like, I was probably using Peyton Manning on the Titans and just tearing stuff up. That's with Larry Fitz and uh, Troy Polamalu on the cover. I was, like, that, that. I'll say that one for my favorite. I don't know if it is. I just remember playing it a lot and probably breaking the disc at certain points because I got so mad at it. But, yeah, I – I just love Madden in general. It's, I don't think I've ever had a favorite one. Like, of course, like the Madden with Michael Vick on the cover. I think it's four is an all time. Great. But like, I love them all They're I think they're all great. They all have different aspects, except for this last year's. I didn't like this last year's. I maybe played it for like two hours and I was like, all right, I'm done. And Funny enough. We, I bought it the day we interviewed Garrett and I was like, on top of the world, I'm playing Madden. And yeah, I don't think I played it after that day. Um, As far as NCAA, hopefully they do better with NCAA and the next Madden. Um, Who would I put on the cover? I would put Tyler Bray and Juwan Jennings on the cover because I'm a Tennessee fan. And I know you're thinking, like, who cares? Like, not everybody's a Tennessee fan. I, I say that for a reason. I think because they took this game away from us for nine years, they need to make it up to everyone. And you should be able to put whoever you want on the cover. That we're at a day and age with sports games that you should be able to get the cover that you want. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you can get Tyler Bray and Juwan Jennings. You're a Michigan fan. You can throw Aiden Hutchinson on there. They, I think the customization should be there for an NCAA game. It's not going to happen because EA, they're just not going to do that. But there needs to be some kind of customization. I mean, I know in SEC country when all of the uh, big preseason magazines come out, whether it be, Anf- I think it's, Anthelon Sports, I don't know. It's the big uh, magazines where they preview college football. It's different all around the Southeast. And, like, where I live, you'll get a Kentucky cover and a Tennessee cover. In Mississippi, they'll get Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Alabama, they'll get Alabama and Auburn, and so on and so forth. That's how it should be with this. I, I really believe that, where they, they're going to pander to fans. And you have this dad walking into Walmart, and he sees – He's a Tennessee fan and he sees t- Tyler Brand, Juan James, or Peyton. Manning. It'd probably be Peyton Manning. He sees Peyton Manning on this video and he's like, oh, I'm going to get my son this game. Let him, let him play Peyton. And that, that's how it would go. I, I think that would be a cool way to give back to the fans. That's not going to happen, though. So I have two more re- realistic answers. Get that picture from the national championship where Joe Burrow is smoking that cigar and put it on the cover. That is the coolest picture of all time. Put Joe Burrow smoking a cigar on the cover. Again, they're not going to do that either because they, they're just not going to. So I have a third answer. Put every single Heisman winner since 2014, since Denard Robinson was on the cover of NCAA 14, put all those Heisman winners, make call it the Heisman edition, and go from there because all those guys should have been on NCAA covers since the, the game was taken away. So just put all those guys on the cover. I, they got to do something big because there's been so many – there's been so many years. There's so much anticipation that I didn't – I just gave them three really good options. You go with Joe Burrow, the coolest human being of all time, soaking a cigar. You can go with all the Heisman winners or customize it. You do it like region-specific where you've got guys from those schools that are – like in Texas, you have a bajillion different covers because you've got all the big schools in Texas. And go from there. I think that would be really neat. But, yeah, I I don't think there's a wrong answer. You, you can go so many different ways with what you want to do and – those are the ways I would go.
0: We're going to be in very much like total lockstep agreement for almost everything that we said, because uh, we'll get to it in the college football stuff. But for Madden, uh, I I said a few stick out for me for sure. The one with Michael Vick 04 is definitely a popular pick. And it, it was one of my favorite ones. It's more of like when Madden really was on the cusp of like arcade and simulation, like it was like in between and you kind of could have fun with it still, but it wasn't like, you know, they didn't take, drastic steps to like cut the gameplay just to make it more a little bit more realistic I think that was like the best part of the old Madden's I have a bad bias towards Madden 25 both for the cover and for you know the gameplay it was I think the first one that was on Xbox One and PS4 Uh, it also had Barry Sanders on the cover so that was uh, you know pretty good one for you know xbox 360 i think ap was on the cover of the the ones on the next generation that was a kind of like a different cover but it, it worked for you know the 25th anniversary anniversary i i have written down here my sneaky favorite is madden 10 the one with larry fitzgerald and troy palomalu on the cover i i think it was the first time really the cover reflected who deserved it most from the previous season it wasn't because the Steelers won, or you know, Larry, because you know, the Cardinals won the NFC. it was because they played the greatest game of the past season in that Super Bowl. It was one of the most fun Super Bowls that I remember watching, and I like remembered wanting to get Madden because of that game. I was like, I can't wait to play the next Madden next year because that game was so fun, and they advertised it perfectly. The load up screen was a lot of fun, it, it, it was one of the best Maddens, and I like the cover. Uh, and I remember playing a lot of Madden there. So uh, uh, I think they did a really good job. Uh, you know, I, I remember playing that game a decent amount. And that's when you can get me to play a decent amount over an NCAA, you know, a year when NCAA comes out, uh, I know, you know, they did a good job. So uh, that's why that's my favorite Madden of all time. For NCAA, I also had three answers. One, one. Just do the fan vote the same way that they were doing at the begin at the end of the franchise. That's how RG3 and Denard got on the cover of those last two. Uh, they just put it out to fans and uh, let them decide off of like, you know, 20 or so to start with. And you just voted and, uh, You know, it was a way for, you know, big college football fans that were online to kind of show their appreciation for those guys that were out there. You know, Denard didn't win a Heisman. He wasn't even a finalist for a Heisman, I don't think, at any point in his career. But he was, you know, popular enough, not only in Michigan fan bases, but around the country to earn that spot. I mean, I think that would only be crazier in today's modern social media, uh, you know, influence, you know, big fan bases would spread it around like wildfire and allow them to, uh, you know, you know, get big, you know, you know, get it pretty big and get those votes up into, you know, the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands, because that, that's, you know, how college football is uh, Two. I think you get either the Heisman winner, you know, Bryce Young, or the next year's Heisman winner, and you offer up a massive NIL deal uh, for getting the cover. I think, you know, one of the biggest things holding back college football games in the past was that you couldn't get their NIL stuff. This is where really all of the stems from. And now that you can, you know, why not give it to someone that who, you know, could, you know, represent, Current college football, and that would be you know whoever won the Heisman, you know, or you know just someone that earns it. You know, whoever earns it gets a big uh, NIL, you know, college, you know, get that bag and maybe uh, earn next year's Dilly of the Year for NIL deal next year. So uh, that's my second option, and then third, I, I like the the idea of getting all the Heisman winners into uh, the 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 cover, all the Heisman winners since Denard Robinson was on the cover and getting them on there. And I was thinking of like, you know how like old Sports Illustrated, like preview editions would have like cutouts of every player in college football or college basketball, Try like one player from each program to try to like mash it up and get everyone on there. I think the first comeback edition should be, you know, every player since 2014 that has been impactful to the college football world mashed up together. So not even just every Heisman winner, but like, you know, get the guys like Tua on there who, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence guys like that who never won a Heisman but were, you know, right there and making college football the way it was for the past, you know, uh whatever 7 8 years since the it's been on the, in the on the market. I mean, 14 actually came out in 2013, so it's been 9 years now uh, since we've had a new college football game it'll probably be 10 years uh right around the time it comes out. So uh, I think they got to pull out all, those, all the stops, and I think something like that—that that, you know—kind of gives you know a shine on every program and every guy that's done something impactful for the past nine years, ten years. Uh, would, I think we would really enjoy that. So uh, I'm going to buy it regardless of what's on the cover, though. So uh, I'm looking forward to it either way.
1: All right, that was a great talk about the covers of the. Madden games and the upcoming uh, college football game coming in 2023, I believe. But uh, I have a pressing issue at hand, and it goes back to college baseball. And it feels like this spring, as we head into summer, I've said a lot, make sure to go out and watch a college baseball game. And I'm coming back to it, because I have to ask, why is college baseball not bigger than it is? I watched the SEC tournament in New Orleans this week, and it was so much fun. I had a blast watching Tennessee run through the entire SEC and just be the best team ever, and it was awesome. And the games are so much fun, and I'll, I'll get into all my points in a minute. But I want to know, why is college baseball not bigger than, than it is?
0: So I think the problem with college baseball relates more to the problems with the game of baseball in general. Uh, it it takes a certain type of fan to like the game of baseball, to really be invested in the game of baseball. Uh, the people that go out to pro and even minor league games uh, that are general sports fans, it's because – you know, people associate baseball games with summertime and they go for the aura of the game itself rather than watching the game itself. Uh, So I don't think that mixes very well with the rabid nature of college fans. You know, like we, when we follow college football and college basketball, we want to follow our teams intensely for the entirety of the season. Uh, And that doesn't mix well with a game where it's like, you could, you know, lose a game, but then win two more the next day. And you, you came out on top, uh, you know, at the end of it. So that can, that, that can be hard for a lot of people to get into. Uh, I don't think, you know, it's as obviously as accessible as college basketball or college football at the same time. Uh, but even with us as, as baseball fans with connections to successful baseball, baseball programs, like you're a fan of Tennessee, Michigan, just won the big 10 tournament. where You know, pre- they've, they've had successful seasons in the past few years. Uh, I feel like right now is like when we're trying to get tuned in and it's when co- conference based conference tournaments are wrapping up and the, the college tournament's about to start, you know, we're even getting into it later than, you know, we would if it was football or basketball. And that's someone who covers sports as our job and wants to, you know, do this for a long time. So uh, I think it's just not the same as basketball and football and the way that it draws the, the college fans. Uh, I also think, I also think you're going to keep, you know, I think in the last few years, we've seen an increase of people that have watched the College World Series. And I think that that's going to keep increasing because, like, you know, I think there's more people like us who see the the fun in it and the intensity of it. And uh, the, as long as it's on TV, it's something to watch during the summer because, you know, we're in that sports-deprived, area of the season and you know uh, give us the college world series and, and you know the national tournament and that will they'll draw a bit more eyes uh i think in general you know you just gotta you know you gotta do what you gotta do to increase the viewership of it i'm not you know paid enough to to have the answer to that but uh i think uh you know it's definitely better than it's been in the past few years, but there's, you know, obviously, I think we're in agreement. There's, there's potential for it to reach, you know, higher limits because it's a lot of fun. When you actually do get into it, it is definitely a lot of fun to follow and, and keep up with and, and you know, uh, definitely get slept on in terms of the three major college sports. But I'd like to hear what you have to say about it too.
1: Yeah, so I am someone who has not followed college baseball like at all throughout my life. Last year, I started to get a little interested because Tennessee was better. And I knew Tony Vitello was building a very good program, and they were a lot better last year. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll pay attention a little bit. This year has been a different monster. Tennessee's been number one for a majority of the year, and I've kind of, like, kept tabs. Like, I knew when it was game day, I knew who they'd be playing, and I just kind of, like, check in here or there. The SEC tournament, I watched every game, whether it was checking in on my phone or being at the casino in New Orleans and it's on the TV and I'm like, okay, I've got to watch this to see how they get out of the sitting or what they do at bat. Um, and it's just been like it, – it feels like I'm following Tennessee's football team or Tennessee's basketball team where I'm very, very invested. In it. it just feels awesome because as someone like we've talked about a million times on the show, we're both guys that grew up watching baseball, you the Tigers, me the Cardinals. And that's what it feels like, and it's really neat because Tennessee's so good. And going from a team in Tennessee that feels like the bad boys of college baseball to watching the St. Louis Cardinals, who are like this fundamentally sound, like pretty good team – It's just like night and day. The Cardinals are so boring compared to Tennessee. And I love the St. Louis Cardinals more than, like, almost anything. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is so boring. If you guys didn't have Albert Pujols, I don't know if I'd be watching. When you've got Tennessee who, like, they pimp home runs 500 feet and they like, they'll be, like, halfway up the first baseline and they throw it at the other team. They throw their bat at the other team. It's like, this is electric. Tony Vitello is ready to fight everyone, like, Tennessee, it's a very unique situation because Tennessee is so good and they're so cocky and they're so loud and they're ready to talk trash where it's like, wow, I'm all in. I love this team. And I feel like it's its a style of baseball that is becoming more and more popular. Like we've talked about it with the pro game where people need to be able to show their personalities. Like in the past like five years or so, or it's probably less than that, with Tim Anderson where he make made all that those that news with the bat flip. I feel like the MLBs had, like, a lot of attention on it. I feel like it's had a huge impact on the college game. Because that's, like, all any of the Tennessee players want to do is, like, flip their bat and talk trash. And it's awesome. Like, I feel like baseball purists would have a heart attack if they watched Tennessee play baseball. Because that's all they do. They flip their bats, they talk trash, and they win. And it's so much fun. And I just – I feel like if I was a fan of any other team, I would absolutely despise this Tennessee team, but I'm not. And that's what makes it so much fun. They're like the bad boys. And like, I like cannot wait for Friday night when they play. I think it's Alabama state. I assume they're going to win by a trillion because this team is just on fire. They're hosting it in Knoxville. Tickets are a bajillion dollars as it should be. Tennessee has a fan base. That's so good. That place is going to be sold out. Lindsey Nielsen Stadium is going to be rocking. I told – I was in an Uber in New Orleans, and I was talking about college baseball, actually, funny enough. Shout out to Gary, the Uber driver. He asked me about the LSU-Tennessee game. I was like, yeah, Tennessee won. And he's like, yeah, that's fair enough. Tennessee's really good. And he was talking about how he followed LSU baseball for a long time. I was like, this is really neat. This guy actually gets it. And he was like, that Tennessee team, they're, they're going to do damage. I was like, I agree. I was like, this team's awesome. And it's just – it's cool to see it's kind of growing, but it's not like, to me, it feels like it's growing because I haven't paid attention. And so I I really don't know, but at least for the Tennessee fan base, it is. And I I told that Uber driver, I was like, I had been to one Tennessee baseball game in my entire life. And it was kind of just like luck of the draw. So we went to, we went to the spring game. I think it was in like 2011, the Tennessee football spring game. And after the game, it turned out Tennessee was playing Ole Miss in baseball. I'm like, all right, we'll go. I think that like gave away tickets and we got to go and there was like no one there and Tennessee got demolished by Ole Miss. I'm like, well, this sucks. Tennessee sucks at baseball. And then just the turnaround that they've had is incredible. Tony Vitello's dad said at his first game, there were five fans at Lindsay Nelson stadium. And now like they sell out every weekend and it's a party and it's amazing to see how it's grown so fast. The enthusiasm in Knoxville, I would just like to see that everywhere. And I want – I feel like that's a way baseball could grow. People see the excitement in the college game. Like, it feels like every sport we talk about how the college game is more exciting. I think baseball is the same way. And I feel like if people saw that, they see it, like, okay, this is sick. We can follow these guys. And that might be how we get to younger baseball fans. I, I, I was really thinking about that. I was like, you get these guys to watch a Tennessee team that's so good that just hits bombs. I'm like, Okay. Let me check out the Braves. If, if it's a Tennessee fan, it'd probably be the Braves. Um, and they're like, okay, Ronald Acuna's sick. Like, he's like Drew Gilbert hitting bombs. Like, that that could be a way that we get to younger baseball fans. But so, I don't know. College baseball needs to grow because it's awesome. That I'm just talking in circles because it, it is just awesome. I'm really fired up about it. Cannot wait for the regionals to start this literally Friday. It's really, really exciting. If you weren't planning on checking them out, check them out because it, it's going to be some good baseball – If you don't like baseball, if you do like baseball, who cares? Check it out. Baseball's fun. I I think we should have a break uh, because the finals, we're about to talk about the NBA finals, will be on Thursday. You'll you'll have a night off of uh, basketball. Flip back and forth between the NHL games and uh, college baseball because there will be some good ones on. But, yeah, watch college baseball. Let's have it grow.
0: Yeah, one more thing I wanted to add, and I – talked about this before I feel like one of the problems with baseball games is like when your team is losing early on you're getting shellacked it's tough to like stay tuned in it's tough when it's like the the game has been decided in the third inning you get to the, get to the ninth inning in the big ten this year I'm not again I didn't pay attention all year but at least during the big Ten tournament there was a 10 run rule so if any team finished an inning up 10 runs the game was over it was basically a mercy rule I think that's something that's great and it's something that the MLB should do too because we don't need to watch – as fun as it is to watch Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina take the mound, we don't need that. We we don't need teams that just are throwing in the towel and just throwing position players so they don't have to burn arms. Just throw in the mercy rule. If they want to forfeit, they want to for – you know, it, like let's not do the purist stuff just at the detriment of the sport because there there's ways to move it along. If Michigan's up 13 to one in the seventh inning, there's no reason to continue the game. We, you know, the game is over. So uh, I think something like you said, college is moving forward faster than the pro game is. And, you know, we should celebrate that stuff Uh, on this week in sports It's NBA finals time and it's 100% time to talk about it. The Golden State Warriors, the NBA's latest dynasty, trying to reclaim their throne, going against the Boston Celtics, arguably the most historic franchise in NBA history, trying to reclaim their throne. Dylan, it's up to you. What is your thought process
1: for the finals and the teams competing for the championship? I think, I'm not positive, I think I called this finals matchup on the TV Sports Roundtable. I think I did. I know I've been high on the Warriors and Celtics this whole time, like going back to when the playoffs started in April. I was high on both of them. So I'm very excited to be like, okay, I knew what was going on. I knew these teams were good. I know what I'm doing. Um, I think it's really exciting because these teams are just good. And they're teams that, like, it's not like they were built in free agency. The star players were drafted. Steph Curry was drafted by the Warriors. Klay Thompson was drafted by the Warriors. Draymond was drafted by the Warriors. Jordan Poole was drafted by the Warriors. On the other side, Jason Tatum, drafted by the Celtics. Marcus Smart, drafted by the Celtics. Jalen Brown, drafted by the Celtics. All those guys were drafted by their teams. Um, it's, it's really unique in today's day and age of the NBA to see this, where it's teams that are literally cultivated on draft night and the scouting and the development. It's really, really cool to see. Um, I think it's going to be a really good series. Unlike the Warriors, the Celtics have played really competitive series like this entire playoffs. They, they swept the Nets, and then they played two straight series that went to seven games. And they beat the Heat and the Bucks. Either one of them could have been the Eastern Conference representative in the NBA Finals. Um, and ESPN had a really eye-catching stat the other day. The Golden State Warriors have 120 games worth of experience in the NBA Finals compared to zero for the Boston Celtics. This Celtics team is so young. Like, they, this is them creating their moment, creating what their legacy is going to be. And, I mean, Jason Tatum has been making big-time playoff moments since he got in the league, dunking on LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals all those years ago when he was a young pup and LeBron was the old man in Cleveland. Um, And it feels like he's been gearing for this moment since then. And he's got a chance to take on – this Warriors team that like the Warriors have 120 games worth of experience, NBA finals games experience on their roster compared to zero for the Boston Celtics. That's incredible. Like the Warriors making this playoff run is not surprising at all. I mean, they're this is what they do. This is their sixth NBA finals in the last eight years. The Celtics are so young. The fact that they were able to maneuver through a super competitive Eastern Conference. I mean, hats off to them. They're making their legacy in the deep history books of that franchise that has 17 NBA championships. This is the first time these teams have met in the finals before going all the way back to I think it was 1959 when Bill Russell went up against Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, the history is there. This is a heavyweight matchup in the NBA finals of two all time great franchises. And you can't really ask for more. You've got the legend in Steph Curry looking for his first finals MVP. You've got Jason Tatum, who is so, 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 so close to being a superstar in this league. I don't know if he's quite there yet, but he's so, so, so close to getting to that upper echelon of the league. And that you can't ask for more. The Marcus Smart being the defensive player of the year, getting to match up with maybe the greatest shooter. Well, he is the greatest shooter. And one of the greatest scorers of all time in Steph Curry. How does Clay Thompson affect everything? Can he get hot? Jalen Brown is a huge X factor. Can he get hot? Andrew Wiggins, is he able – I mean, we saw the defense he played against Dallas and Memphis and Denver. Can he keep that up against Boston and lock down one of these forwards, whether it be Tatum or Brown? Can Al Horford provide the sparks? Can Grant Williams provide sparks? Can Jordan Poole, the Michigan man, create big shots off the bench? I mean, there's just some – what? what the hell is Draymond Green going to do? Because you know he's going to do something. I mean, there's just so many things. It's The NBA, Adam Silver has to be so happy this is the matchup we got because it it just feels right. It feels like an NBA Finals. Like Phoenix and Milwaukee was really cool to see because it was something no one expected. I don't know if it was just me. It didn't feel like an NBA Finals. Boston versus Golden State feels like an NBA Finals, and I'm really, really excited to see it. As far as a prediction, I don't know. I, I'm, I just think it's going to be a really good series. And I'm going to follow the trend of the Celtics series rather than the Warriors, where the Warriors have kind of made quick work of almost every team they played. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics in seven games. I think the young guns are going to get it done. I think Boston is just a better team. I think that defense is incredible. The Golden State plays really good defense too. I think that Boston defense is so good, led by Marcus Smart, who's just a junkyard dog. He's gonna he's gonna make Steph uncomfortable. Jason Tatum is gonna make that leap to be a superstar in this league. I think the Celtics are gonna get it done. I think they they're gonna be able to steal a game in San Francisco, and then I don't think Golden State's gonna be able to win in Boston. That place is a madhouse. I think Boston takes care of it at home. I think they win in seven. I, I, I think the Celtics can win in seven. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I honestly don't care who wins. I just want a good series. I want seven games and seven really good games. I don't want the blowouts that we've been seeing. I just want seven really good games. And that would be really neat to see. Um, are we doing the game one predictions now or hold that off? Hold that off. We'll get to that after. All right, we'll hold that off. My But my series prediction – I'm going Celtics and seven. I, I I've been high on the Celtics going all the way back to the first round when everybody was like, oh, it's the Nets. I was like, no, 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 no. This Celtics team's nice. They've been so nice since the All-Star break ended. I'm going to keep riding with the Celtics, but let's just get a good series. And, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Celtics and seven.
0: All right, all right. I love all that stuff. I love all the picks. Uh, I'm excited for the series as well uh first off uh I had to go back and look because I remember someone on ESPN or TNT I can't remember who it was but I remember someone saying uh, who at the beginning of the season would have predicted the Golden State Warriors to make the NBA finals and well I don't want to say I actually predicted it at the beginning of the season I did go back and look at our like uh, preseason awards and I said that Steve Kerr was going to win coach of the year because I thought the Warriors were going to be one of the best, if not the best team is in the NBA this year. Cause you knew, we knew Clay was coming back at some point. Uh, I thought he was going to be a lot better than he was, but no one really predicted, you know, what Jordan Poole could do. But I, I I said, you know, this roster is really, really good. And if Steph is anywhere near what he used to be, this is going to be a really, really good team. And I, I think, you know, they've been making their case all season as being the best team in the NBA. It's just been tough to see because the Suns were so good during the regular season. But I think, uh, with, you know, how Poole has been playing, Steph being Steph, I think they are the best remaining team. Uh, I, on the other, on the other side with the Celtics, I will admit I've overlooked the Celtics. I've had, I've picked them to be bounced from the playoffs multiple times, including I think the first round against the Nets. Uh, so I, even though I think the Warriors are the better team, I also think the Celtics are beat to build rosters that are better than them. I think the players that they have on the roster play better than maybe their overalls would be on a 2K game because, you know, like their star in Tatum, like he's a legit scorer, but he plays such good defense as well. So you've got – he's a legit two-way player uh, on, the, on the floor. And then you have a legit second option in Jalen Brown that, you know, he's not – you know, the the second option that's going to give you 30 every night, but he might give you 40 when Jason Tatum's not, you know, doing what he needs to do. So uh, he, he has that in him. And then you've got a legit defensive menace in Marcus Smart. You've got the defensive player of the year at your guard spot. That's a, you know, having those three roles filled, that's a winning recipe. It really doesn't matter what roster you're facing. You've got that guy that can shut down the other uh, team. You've got a star that can play both ways and you've got a second guy that can take the scoring load off of your star if you need him to, uh, and, and I'm really excited to see how that mixes with a team like the Warriors, who I think are built to win championships. I'm excited to see how Tatum deals with Draymond. I assume that'll be a, a matchup we're going to see a bunch. Uh, Steph and Smart—that's going to be a matchup we're going to see a bunch. I want to see how those two play against each other. Uh, and I'm I'm more like I'm, I'm I'm same with you. I I hope it's more of uh, like the Celtics Bucks. Uh, series that we had you know that was like the epitome of what I think a good NBA playoff series can be just every every game felt like it was just on on the verge of swinging in the the last seconds every time and uh, it played out with the emotions on the on the on the floor so uh, I, I like you said uh, I hope it's not more of like the like the Celtics Heat where like the mismatches create the blowouts and even though we got seven games we got seven kind of blowouts and kind of un you know uh, unentertaining games. I want seven competitive, fun games of basketball. I, I don't think you can ask for much more. You're gonna get some of the best you know players in the uh, in the in the NBA in this one. Uh, in the end, with my prediction, I also have it going to seven games, but I think the Warriors get it done in seven games. I think they're just a bit more experience. They're the team that's been there. Steph probably gets his, his finals MVP, like you said, and, and they get it done. But I do think the Celtics will push it to seven. So uh, with that being said, we'll move on to our picks for game one on Thursday. Celtics going out to San Francisco to play the Warriors. Dylan,
1: who you got? So disregard everything I just said about the Celtics winning at seven. I have the Warriors in game one. I, I think the experience that we've talked about comes in big time. And the the Celtics are going to be on this huge stage, which obviously they've been playing in playoff games this whole time. But the finals is different. No matter what, like game one of the finals, the jitters are going to be there. The jitters won't be there for Steph Curry. They won't be there for Klay Thompson. They won't be there for Draymond Green. And that's going to be huge. And I, I think the Warriors win game one. And a lot of people are talking, Or oh, is this too big of a stage for the Celtics? No, I don't think it is. I think the Celtics are going to be fine. But I think Golden State is going to take a 1-0 lead at home. It just It's what the Warriors do. They win finals games. They win playoff games. It's its what they do. I think they take a 1-0 lead, probably off a big game from Steph Curry. And uh, we go from there. But, yeah, I got Warriors taking a 1-0 lead at home. Who do you have in game one?
0: So, funnily, funny enough, I also have – Uh, the team that I'm winning the series, losing in game one. I have the Celtics in game one. Uh, My thought process is basically the Warriors. I I don't know what the stat is, but it's something stupid. Like the Warriors have won an away game in 26 straight playoff series. And it's the longest record. It's by far the longest streak of that kind. It's one of those stupid ESPN stats, but if that's going to continue, then the Celtics also have to win a game on the road for this to go to seven games. Uh, It kind of works out that way. So I think the best time to steal a game on the road is in Game One. You you kind of got the Warriors coming in with more of the feeling of they're the favorites. I feel like you know, other than you know, obviously they had those years where Durant was there uh, and they were the favorites all the time. But like when they were going up against LeBron's teams, they had to come in with kind of like a chip on their shoulder to win those those finals. So uh, I think with this role where you're the more experienced you know you're the ones that have been there more times than the Celtics I think they can come in a little bit cocky and and maybe to, you know that's just the recipe that Tatum and Boston need to to take game 1 so i have the Celtics taking game 1 even though i have the warriors taking this the series but i'm excited this, this is going to be a good series i think this is what, if I, if I could have picked it to work out any way, uh, entertainment-wise, I think these are the two teams I would have picked to, to make it to the finals. But uh, that is going to do it for the special year anniversary edition of the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, any final thoughts before we take off?
1: Yeah, I spent a good portion of this show telling you to watch college baseball this weekend. Watch hockey, too. Uh, the Avs and Oilers game last night, two nights ago, if you're listening to this now, on, Friday, on Thursday, uh, was awesome. They scored a million goals. And I, as we all know, I've been trying to become a hockey guy. I promised Luke Maury like a year ago or longer, I was going to become a hockey guy. And I felt like a hockey guy last night watching that game. So I had the Cardinals on my phone and hockey on my TV. So that was a very weird progression for me. And so, yeah, check that out because hockey is awesome. Uh, But, yeah, watch hockey, watch college baseball, watch the NBA Finals. It's an exciting time. We're not quite sports-deprived yet. We we still got quite a bit on our plate, so watch it. Have fun. And, uh, yeah, fun first year. Excited for like 100 more uh, DH out.
0: All right, thank you so much to our listeners who have been with us throughout this first year. It's been an honor to be here. Entertainment for the hour, hour and a half that we have uh, given you each week for the past year. We hope to bring you many more episodes in the future. Here's where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore. TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And we will see you all next week. See you.